What a great sound of God's people greeting one another. We are in Exodus chapter 19. I invite you to turn in your Bibles with us to Exodus chapter 19. You can look in the Bible under the seat in front of you, second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 19. This is a very important chapter in the Bible. In fact, some have referred to this as the very heart of the Old Testament. God's plan for his people, the people of Israel, and even beyond, God's plan for his people in every generation, including us. Very special and important section of scripture. Father, I pray that we would have hearts, minds, ears ready, not just to hear, but to apply. We would not leave this place being more academically aware of your word, but it would impact us. Impact the way we live our lives for you. I ask your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse 1 of Exodus chapter 19. It says, in the third month... After the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. So three months after they were Delivered from Egypt, they come to one of the most important geographical locations on planet Earth. They come to Mount Sinai. A nation of two and a half million camps at the base of that mountain. And they'll spend the next 11 months at that mountain. In fact, the next 57 chapters in the Bible records what takes place at that mountain. The rest of Exodus, all of Leviticus, and the first nine chapters of Numbers all take place at Mount Sinai. There's been lots of information, research done, trying to figure out where Mount Sinai is. This is the traditional location. They came out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea right there. They came down. There's a mountain they found there that they called Jebel Musa. The Mount of Moses. And a lot of people believe that's where it is. But there's been more research lately where they came out of Egypt. They came down here to this beach, Nueva. This is where they crossed the Red Sea into what is now Saudi Arabia. And they found this other incredible mountain called Jebel El Laz. The Mount of the law. Here's a picture of that one. It's a fascinating documentary. If you ever want to Google where is the real Mount Sinai, just incredible what they're discovering in their research. By the way, that's not a shadow at the top of the mountain. That's a charred mountain. It's burned up there. 
Lots of different evidence has been given to show that that is a location that might actually be the place where the original Mount Sinai was. And the nation of Israel camped before that mountain for 11 months. And it was there that, as you know, God would dramatically appear to his people and speak to them. And what makes that place so special is that God enters into a covenant with his people. Now, a covenant is a formal contract, a formal agreement. God entered into a covenant relationship with the people of Israel at Sinai. Now, look at the details of it. Look at verse 3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord God called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. This is God speaking to Moses at the top, and he says, Here are the terms of the covenant. Here's what my people must agree to. Verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. These are the terms of the covenant. Of the covenant. Now, this is following the language of a treaty that they found in ancient Hebrew. When a king would conquer another land, that land would become a vassal state. And they'd have to enter into a treaty with the king that conquered them. And this reads just like it. The Lord says to his people, first of all, remember what I've done. I redeemed you. I destroyed Pharaoh. I destroyed the Egyptians. I brought you out of the land on the wings of an eagle. I carried you. I've redeemed you. I've saved you. I brought you out for me. The exodus was not just about getting Israel out of Egypt. It was about getting Israel close to God. And he says to his people, you have the potential to be a special treasure to me above all people. The Hebrew word indicates royal property. It speaks of the most prized possession in a king's personal treasury. The Lord said to his people, I redeemed you. You're to be my most prized position, a treasure. You're my people. But you have responsibility. It says in verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You have to obey my voice. You have to keep my covenant. Now, at this point, they don't even know what those commandments are. Again, over the next 57 chapters, the law will be spelled out. 
And by the way, that law will be repeated a second time in entirety in the book of Deuteronomy. Big deal. So the Ten Commandments, the civil laws, the ceremonial laws, the dietary laws, the tabernacle system, the sacrificial system, the Old Testament priesthood, everything that would eventually come to define Judaism. You will keep all these laws. Verse 6, you shall be to me a holy nation, sacred, set apart, different, distinct, standing out from all the rest of the pagan nations. You will be different and holy in your lifestyle, in your worship, in everything that you do as a nation. That's the deal. You keep that commandment. You'll be my special treasure. However, there was a greater purpose behind all of that. The nation of Israel was meant to be a kingdom of priests. In fact, it says in verse 6, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Now, what's a priest? A priest is someone who represents God before people and represents people before God. The entire nation of Israel was meant to be a kingdom of priests. We're told in Isaiah chapter 49, God says to Israel, I will give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. God's purpose for Israel was to save them, redeem them. Give them the law by which they could become holy and in so doing, be an example for the rest of the world. The nation of Israel was not only chosen from the nations, but for the nations. That was God's plan. Redeem. Make very special, make holy, and then be an example for everyone else. So those are the details of the covenant. Verse 7 says, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Now this is very interesting. Moses goes up the mountain. God gives him the terms of the commandment, the covenant. Then he goes down the mountain. He tells the people. The people say, we'll do it. And he goes back up the mountain. Moses goes up and down that mountain at least three times in chapter 19. That's a pretty healthy 80-year-old man. Last weekend in the hills of Sacramento, New Mexico, us guys, we got out of breath just going from chapel to, you know, where we got our food, just up the hill. Moses three times, up and down. Moses is the mediator. He's the representation of God to the people, and he brings the words of the people back to God. And so Moses says, here's the command. 
Here's the covenant. Do you keep it? And you notice they all said, we will do everything that the Lord has said. Now, you got to, on one hand, appreciate their willingness. I mean, they don't even know what the details of the commandments are yet, right? But they're like, we're going to do it. We'll do it. And, and that's a good thing. By the way, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the answer is always yes. Even before he tells you what to do, that's a good spirit to have. However, we also know that the nation of Israel didn't really understand what they were getting into. They spoke out of ignorance. Okay, yeah, we'll do what you want us to do. They didn't appreciate the seriousness of it. So God is going to show himself to them. Verse 10. Look at this carefully. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds, boundary markers, fences for the people all around saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. When the trumpet sounds long, then they shall come near the mountain, but not on it. Don't touch it. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people, sanctified the people. They washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. So God says to the people, I'm going to show up in three days. And you take the next two days to get ready for my appearance. Consecrate yourselves. Take a bath. Put on your Sunday best. Make sure all of your clothes are clean. Your bodies are clean. Abstain from sexual relations. Husbands and wives, abstain. That is not to say that Sex is in itself dirty and sinful. It's not. It's proper and it's beautiful within the right constraints of marriage. But in this case, abstain from that. They were probably even asked to fast. You get your heart ready. You be prepared. And then you catch it. Put boundaries up. Don't let anybody touch the mountain. If you touch the mountain, you're going to die. And in fact, they need to set guards. If anyone gets curious and is going to try to do it, they're supposed to take them out with an arrow or a stone. That is serious business. That is the holiness of God. And sinners are not permitted in the holiness of God. He's so other, so he's preparing them. Well, they do all those preparations, verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud. 
so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. Now, this is one of the most dramatic appearances of God in the entire Bible. God came down on that mountain with great power. And glory and holiness. It makes me think of Psalm 97 verse 5 where it says, The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. This is a famous painting of it. Doesn't do justice. I don't think the Hollywood blockbusters could do justice with what this was like. We have a very creative youth pastor Daniel here and I saw him do a presentation on this chapter once and it was with the kids he had all the lights turned down disco ball went on all the lights and the noise and the thundering and just to try to give you a taste of what it look all five senses were assaulted what they saw a thick dark storm cloud They saw lightnings. The Hebrew actually speaks of this in the way it's it's like they saw a flashing sword back and forth at the top of the mountain with light. They saw the smoke bellowing forth like the smoke of a furnace. They saw the mountain quaking. What they heard, they heard loud thunderings. They heard a long trumpet blast from heaven. They got louder and louder and louder. They smelled the mountain burning. They tasted the ash. They felt the quaking. And this is kind of a scary picture of God. And you need to have that scary picture of God. God is holy. God is other. The Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible here indicates that God would give the Ten Commandments, and it would be God's voice that would speak. Did you know the Ten Commandments were given to the nation of Israel from the very mouth of God at the top of Mount Sinai? In a booming voice, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. You shall not steal. What was it like? How did the people react? They were terrified. 
verse 16 says, they all trembled. They were quaking more than the mountain. And in fact, if you look further on in Exodus chapter 20, it says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Don't tell God to stop speaking. It's killing us. Moses, you speak. Moses, you be our mediator. And Moses became their mediator. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. God has come to test you. And that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. In other words, God did not come to so that you'd be absolutely terrified of him and and, and just worried, but God literally came to put the fear of God in them to show them that it's reverence, that it's serious. So the terms of the covenant. You have been redeemed. You are holy. You are to be the kingdom of priests. And you are to do it in the very fear of God. With utmost seriousness. That's the plan of God. By the way, that's always been the plan of God. I'm just going to change the... It's the plan of God. To redeem people. Make them holy. Make them a kingdom of priests. And to live in the fear of God. Now, as you know, that plan has never changed. Israel did not do a good job. Israel, in fact, failed the covenant relationship. They actually turned from the Lord... And they did not become different from the nations. In fact, they became like the nations. They began worshiping false gods. The nation of Israel failed in this plan. They even rejected their own Messiah. But that has not stopped the plan of God. God has now given this plan to a new group of people called the church. Now listen very carefully. God is not through with the nation of Israel. And we see this through history. God still has a plan for the nation of Israel. But right now, we live in the church age, which is comprised of Jew and Gentile who have come to faith through faith in Jesus Christ. And now, the baton, so to speak, has been passed from Israel to the church. And the baton gets passed in every generation of the church, from this generation to the next generation, to our generation. We are told, this is speaking of the church now in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that's you. 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is the church and the same plan. We have been redeemed. We were in bondage under Satan and under sin and under the fear of death. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. We put our faith in him and we're redeemed. And as redeemed people, we're to be holy. We're to live a different life because we're a kingdom of priests. We're meant to show others the right way to God. Jesus on another mountain Mount of Beatitudes, speaking to his people, said, You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the salt, you're the light. And you're to be that with reverence and fear. Being serious about it. In fact, I came across a quote that just struck me. And I wish it would strike all of us. The way we live as Christians is a big part of God's plan for saving the world. Do you hear that? If you are a born-again Christian, God has redeemed you and saved your life. And you're to be holy to him, and you're to represent him, and you're to do it in fear. The way you live as a Christian is a big part of God's plan in saving the world. Think of it. The plan doesn't change. We have it so much better, though, in the New Testament. That's not our mountain anymore. We don't come to Mount Sinai. The old covenant, the covenant of law, was never meant to be a permanent arrangement. It was always meant to be temporary. And God knew that his people would never be able to keep that. That's why he gave them the priesthood and all the sacrifices. Everything about the Old Testament law was to drive them to a savior To make them know that they can't do it on their own. No, we come to a different mountain now. We come to Mount Zion. God in his love sent his son Jesus. Who died on the cross for our sins and rose again. He's done all the work of salvation. You can't earn it. You put your faith and your trust in him. And he changes your life. Jesus is our mediator, not Moses. Moses was just a man, flawed. Our mediator is the perfect son of God, the one who perfectly bridges the gap. The one who became fully man, fully God, fully man. 
dying on the cross for your sins. And we come with a different power. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be transformed from the inside out. And the Holy Spirit leads us and makes us the best witnesses that we can possibly be. You know, it's interesting. uh, Pentecost takes place a little under three months after Passover. On Pentecost, still even to this day, a lot of the Jews will celebrate Mount Sinai because it came exactly three months after that first Passover night in Egypt. And so for Pentecost, they'll look back and remember the fire on the mountain. But remember what happened at the Pentecost after the Passover where Jesus died and rose again. What happened at that Pentecost? The church was born. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. And you remember fire, tongues of fire, came upon his people. No longer a fire on a mountain, but a fire in men and women. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Empowered to live a Christian life. Empowered to be witnesses. My brother and sister in Christ, if you are saved... You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God has saved you and you are redeemed. And you should want to live a life that pleases him. That should mean something to you. And you have the Holy Spirit to help you. Your whole relationship changes with this world, with sin. I've always loved the story of a young girl who accepted Christ as her savior And she applied for membership in a local church. Were you a sinner before you received the Lord Jesus into your life, inquired an old deacon? Yes, sir, she replied. Are you still a sinner? To tell you the truth, I feel I'm a greater sinner than ever. Then what real change have you experienced? I don't quite know how to explain it, she said, except I used to be a sinner running after sin. But now I'm a saved sinner running from sin. She was taken into the fellowship of that church and proved by her bright and shining testimony that she was truly converted. Gang, there's a change. There's a change. And we have a whole new motivation as Christians. We have grace and thanksgiving. We know that Jesus died for us, though we didn't deserve it. And when we put our faith in Christ, we experience his grace and his peace and his salvation. And we live our life thankful. And even in the new covenant, don't you ever lose sense of the holiness of God. And the seriousness of what he's called you to To live in reverence. To live a life that respects him. That honors him. Man, this is an important thing. It's the plan of God. Old Testament, New Testament. Years ago, right now. Can I ask you, where are you in the plan of God? Where are you? Maybe you're here this morning and you're still in Egypt. You haven't been redeemed. 
You didn't know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Rose again. You can place your faith and trust in him right now. And be serious about it. And you ask Christ to fill you. And you'll be redeemed. Maybe you're one of the redeemed. Maybe you've been a Christian for many years. But maybe, maybe, you don't care very much about being holy. Or being a part of this kingdom of priests. And you've lost that sense of awe and reverence. No, don't do You come back. You come back to him. Be reminded of who God is and what he's done. Let's bow our heads. Father, we stand in awe of you this morning to think of how perfect and mighty and glorious and holy you are. How sovereign. If, if, if our eyes could be opened just for a few seconds, your glory in heaven would be blown away. And we fear you reverently for who you are and yet we know that you also are a God of love and grace who's made it possible for us to be forgiven to be children in your family and you have this incredible plan for us a purpose in life If you're here this morning and you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Son of God left heaven. Became man. Paid the ultimate price. Died in your place. Took your penalty and rose again that third day. You place your faith and trust in him. You'll become a part of his family. A part of his plan. Become a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come live inside you. Make you different and brand new. Change you. Use you. If you've never done that, do that right now. Just open up your heart. Respond to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you. I bow before you. I surrender before you. I declare that you are holy. And I am sinful. And thank you for sending your son. Jesus, come into my heart, my life. Save me, make me one of yours. Perhaps you're here this morning, you've been a Christian for a long time, but uh, you've gotten really flippant about it. 
It hasn't impacted you. It hasn't impacted you. You've forgotten God and his power and glory and holiness and what he's done for you and the responsibility that it brings. I want to invite you right now to rededicate your life to God. He'll take you back. He'll restore you. You come clean with him. Just a prayer like this, Lord, I'm coming back to you this morning. Forgive me for the way I've been living. I want to change from that. I want to turn from that. I want to live a life that honors you that pleases you. And I want people to see you in my life. I want to be a priest. So right now, I recommit my life to you. Help me, fill me afresh with your spirit. Help me to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to have elders up here in the front who are willing.